to Women Leading in Cannabis, where we go deep and get real with the pioneering women shaping today's cannabis industry. You can find us on the PodConnects network on iTunes, Spotify, and Pandora. If you like what you hear, subscribe to Women Leading in Cannabis. I'm your host, Kira Reed. I'm here today with Veronique Lee and Dr. Susan Trapp of Candescent Labs. Welcome to the show, ladies. Hi, happy to be here, Kara. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm looking forward to talking with you ladies. So Veronique was a partner at beauty and fashion retailer Madavanti. Is that how I pronounce it? Modavanti, yes. Meaning fashion forward. It is really a sustainable fashion and wellness brand. Awesome. And she worked at one of the largest grain merchandising companies in the world, where she saw how the desire for efficiency and profitability was transforming how our food was made, sourced, processed, and marketed. These processes were not healthy for our planet or our health. When she experienced the same thing happening in fashion, she began bringing artisan and eco-friendly brands to market. After learning more about plants from chemists researching cannabis, Veronique was motivated to create a healthier, synthetic-free candle, removing the elusive fragrance ingredient. And Dr. Susan Trapp received her doctoral degree in biochemistry from the University of Maryland and postdoctoral education at the Institute of Biological Chemistry at Washington State University, where she focused on the molecular evolution and genomics of terpenoid natural products in fungi and plants. Her research areas are genomics, computational biology, biotechnology, and Dr. Trapp has an entrepreneurial spirit. She has participated in and founded several bioscience startups within the biofuels, medical device, and cannabis industries. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. All right. So we have got to know about this unusual partnership. One of you has a background in beauty and fashion, and the other has a background in science. How did you find your way to each other and to the terpenes that led you to cannabis? So I guess I, I'll start. I met Susan because I reached out to her. Um, my background is in sourcing, sustainability, and wellness. And we're not just a candle company. We started out being a candle company because I found that there was a need for a wellness candle, something out there that did not include the elusive fragrance ingredient, which we know very little about. Those are protected under trade secrets. So we don't know what we breathe. We don't know if we have the phthalates, parabens, um, you know, endocrine disruptors, um, silicones. We don't know what we're breathing. And I wanted it to be transparent. I wanted it to be healthy. And so that's, I saw this very uh, white space in, in the candle market. So that's where we started. Since then, we've um, added the tonical mist and we're going to be adding more products in the pipeline coming. But 
when I was um, in sustainability and wellness through fashion, it's really about understanding where things are made, how they're made, who's involved in the process, and how it affects people on the planet. And I met Susan because I was working um, with chemists in the cannabis industry, and I was working in product development doing CBN and CBD products. I was in this whole, um, I guess, adventure um, and pivot happened when I was um, moving. I was precipitated by a move from the East Coast to the West Coast, where I grew up, and I was being bicoastal. I was working also on doing a CBD line with a doctor in New York City. And this is just, this was before the farm bill and whatnot. And we um, put our plan together and took a step back and tabled it a little bit, thinking that that industry was going to be perhaps oversaturated. Um, and meanwhile, we were both doing our own thing. And I was really interested in terpenes and how terpenes affected us. And particularly interested in beta caryophylline, which is a terpene, an aromatic molecule that acts as a cannabinoid on the CB2 receptor. So that kind of led to one thing after another. And I reached out to Susan, um, you know, really wanting to support her and her endeavors and knowing how qualified she was. I had heard her on the po podcast. I had read some of her research. And um, I was really excited to meet her. So that's, I, I reached out to her. I also want to make sure that people don't think we're just a candle company because we are really into, you know, delving into the science of aroma to bring people healthy, healthy products that have to do with their olfactory system, really delving into the olfactory system as well. That's awesome. What about you, Susan? Um, okay. Well, uh, as Veronique said, she contacted me. And at the time, um, I... I had been in the cannabis industry in a number of roles. Um, I was part of the Canopy Boulder in 2018 and uh, had a startup called Treatment X. And what we were trying to do is utilize the products out there, create a survey, and be able to uh, validate essentially and, and identify insights uh, in regards to the product and treatment. Again, at that time, because, um, and still now to this day, the majority of the research is illegal federally. And we thought having a little startup or a company like that, that maybe we would be able to make better progress. Um, and I have a background essentially in, in computational biology, so I can see the value of bringing uh, deep data science into the field. Um, and, and mind you, I just got back from the annual uh, science conference and the it seems to be happening in the field of cannabis, so that's great. Um, and so uh, at the time that I met Veronique, I had also started a company called uh, Torpedia. Based on my background, I've had an interest in terpenes for a long time, having nothing to do with the cannabis industry. And uh, so a, co a colleague of mine in computational biology who happens to also be an aeronautical space engineer, so a true, <laughs> a true um, you know, uh, a rocket scientist, and I um, had really want, I, I've been wanting to create something like this for a long time. And so we have created a, essentially a database on terpene information and um, have begun to do consulting projects uh, based on uh, people's terpenes need. Um, and, and so uh, Monica contacted me and our original 
actual beginning of collaboration was talking about doing a study on the candles to validate the aromatic value or science behind the candle. And we chose instead to create a new candle with um, some proprietary um, terpenes in there. Um, and that's how we actually got started. Yeah, I'll stop there. <laughs> so you have a background in terpenes, which is something that really was not part of the nomenclature until cannabis really hit the scene. And I'm curious from your perspective, working in that and, you know, being aware of terpenes in all plants, what has cannabis done to move that science forward or to, to bring attention to that part of a plant that is so important in our health, but so overlooked? You know, that is a great question, Kira. <laughs> and I'm not sure I'm going to answer that all today. Uh, However, my background is terpenes having literally nothing to do with the cannabis industry. And honestly, I really didn't even care that much about plants. I was a molecular biologist studying um, horizontal gene transfer of the whole biosynthetic pathway of a, a group of terpenes found in fungus to a plant. You know, just uber academic and somewhat esoteric. But nevertheless, and, and, and honestly... Um, when I was finishing my PhD, my postdoc, I really didn't want to do a corporate job. And um, those are the only kind of jobs, if you have a background in terpenes, is going to the cosmetic industry or um, go into uh, the perfumery industry. And so I actually have jumped around and back to the, the wake and baker boyfriend. You know, what I, it just the light bulb turned on in my head, like, these are terpenes, come on. And uh, that was before anybody was talking about them. And so... At the time, I was teaching at a community college, and I decided I wanted to start giving educational talks uh, to the cannabis industry, uh, talking about terpenes because they're very, very, very misunderstood. Um, and 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 like I said in the beginning, I'm not sure if I'm going to answer your question directly. I'm not sure that the cannabis industry has moved the field of terpenes forward yet, but they have definitely made terpene a household name. Um, at least in the cannabis industry, um, it's interesting because when I talk to my my buddies and friends outside of the cannabis cannabis industry, people still don't know what terpenes are. They have heard of essential oils, and then you have to sit down and explain to them how essential oils are made up of terpenes, and that's why you get this interesting profile and smell. Um, so the terpene um, science is behind even the cannabinoid science in regard to really understanding the medical and medicinal properties and benefits. There's a lot of information out there, but at the scientific level of, of what is needed to be robust, right? Double blind clinical trials. Um, we're not there yet. And, um, terpenes actually are a bit of a, a somewhat difficult to study. Um, Especially, you know, starting in in uh, in vitro because they're aromatic, right? So it's it's not straightforward, and they also have a, a various uh, delivery systems. So not only aromatic, so you can get this olfactory benefit, right? But you know, how is it when you ingest them? What are they doing? So the field is wide open. And Veronique, you come from a fashion and beauty background. How? How did you get interested in terpenes and aroma from that perspective? Well, I got interested in it really working with uh, chemists and cannabis and learning about terpenes and learning how they affect us. And I was really interested 
and the um, entourage effect. We, t- we all talk about it a lot and how the synergy of plants work together. So I really started in that respect, just having, you know, made that pivot from um, a bi-coastal kind of lifestyle to really wanting to make it, make California my home again. So I kind of started delving into the cannabis industry and that led to products that I felt were really important for health and wellness. Basically leveraging botanical science without use of synthetics. Most things out there use synthetics. They're, you know, 10 to 100 times less expensive than the product, than the ingredients we use. And most fragrances use synthetics. So we really wanted to go back to, you know, the origins actually of perfume, which was using all botanical ingredients and having those benefit us. That's really the health and wellness aspect of it. In terms of fashion um, and beauty, women feel better when they buy beauty products. Beauty is still wellness. And um, that category, I believe, is really changing in a way that we're looking to know what our products do for us. So their inner and outer beauty. In terms of fashion, I think people are becoming much more aware of what they're buying and how our clothes are made, who's involved in the process, um, where they're made, what perhaps toxic chemicals are in our clothes. So I think we're being more mindful of our purchases. And as women, with such a a large percentage of um, power in what we buy, um, it's, it's, I find that this is really a realm that's important for us to explore is how do women make purchasing decisions when we are so important in driving the purchasing power and consumption of goods in the United States? I mean, women, especially, they make, they make 85% of household decisions. And in health and wellness, that's even larger. You know, some of us made up to 90%. So when you think about women and, and fashion, beauty, wellness, we are extremely powerful in moving the needle into making good purchasing decisions and also changing the landscape of our world. It's a, it's a pretty powerful position to be in. So I don't know. This is a pretty long answer to your question, but, um, the, you know, I, I got into this because this is this is still under the umbrella of health and wellness and really driving and moving the needle towards a world where we have sustainable products and where we believe in what we're doing and um, preserving ultimately our health on this earth. So you both come from two giant industries. What was your experience like as a woman in those industries? And how does that compare now with being a woman executive running your own company and dancing on the line of cannabis? Susan, why don't you start? Another great question, Karen. <laughs> yeah, I've been in a male-dominated field uh, for my whole adult career. You know, the biotechnology or uh, the, the sciences in general, uh, biology is a little bit more equitable in regards to uh, the folks that are in it. Um I I have struggled actually in the, the science industry in general as a female uh, trying to develop my career. I would I, I can say that. Um, 
And um, as a entrepreneur and leader of my own company a couple times over, it's, it's I would have to say, way more fun um, to be, <laughs> to be um, there and uh, making my own decisions about um, my, my company, companies. Being an entrepreneur or being part of a startup is, is again, not for the, the lighthearted. Uh, it's, it's a lot of work and there's a lot of failure, which is a lot like being in a research laboratory where usually your experiments fail on a regular basis. A, uh, uh, yeah, I, I'll stop there and let Veronique go and you can ask me further questions. <laughs> Well, like Susan, I really started in a very traditional male-dominated field. I'm working for a multinational agribusiness company, and I learned the business from the ground up. So I started actually in Fargo, North Dakota, and I learned the processing business of oils. And um, then worked in Europe and traded commodities, um, and subsequently came back to the United States and traded uh, commodities and then bonds. So I was um, very much on the trading for with men. And it is, you know, I have many stories to tell, for sure. And I can say that, um, you know, there, there, some are, are good and some are not so good, both from women and from men. Um, and I think we've come a long way as women. And I'm really proud of women to have made that change in um, kind of finding their own foothold and networking on their own and making those infrastructures. I think, Kara, what you're doing here is phenomenal because that's exactly what you're building. You're building this new fabric where people can reach out to each other and know that they're in a safe environment and build their businesses. And that's not always the case. So having gone from that, um, you know, I, through, I, I guess, grit and circumstance, I built my own company because I got divorced. I had children. They were my priority. And I had to figure out a way to reinvent myself. And I did. And so I ended up working, bringing different cultures. I really believe in diversity in this world and the beauty of culture. And, and, you know, that's what makes this life exciting is that we're all different and, and we can share in that. And I ended up bringing artisans from around the world together in a social enterprise and supporting women around the world and bringing those beautiful things as a means of not only beauty, but communication between different people. And, you know, not politics, nothing like this, just all, all, communicating in a different way. Let, let me, let's get into that a little bit then in terms of your business. So you've both experienced the hell of working in a male dominated world where you've run into um, antagonism and potentially harassment and stops and lack of access and closed doors. How are you building your company differently to benefit women who work for you and work around you? Sure. I mean, to, to start with, um, it's a, uh, you know, we are a woman led business and the people who work for me or work for me as a, I don't even like to say that actually, we're a team. So we work together and I would totally change that in the language because that's, we are a team. We say we're three legs of a store. There are really three of us who drive this and we work together to make it happen. And we all bring something different to the table. So the way that my business has evolved as a woman is I think I've learned a lot along the way. I think that 
women because um, I'll just say this from my personal experience, because there have been doors closed and because we don't want to enter the same kind of experiences that we did before, some of us start our own companies and we, we drive the change. And unfortunately, that also means that many times we do this solo. And I think that's the wrong way to do it. I can say that I have had businesses where I would consider that they were successful, but at the same time, they were failures because I didn't create the infrastructure for growth. I didn't create the infrastructure to pass on the baton to someone else because you can only be successful if your business is successful in another generation or that someone else takes the lead in in continuing the project, even if you fail as a startup. And this is what I've learned with this in my business is that, you know, every single one of us in this, in, in our business is passionate about what we do. And we all believe that we're going to succeed, but we are defining a market in olfactory wellness that is very difficult. And it's a whole new realm of health and wellness that people know very little about. So we're here. We are as pioneers trying to, you know, define a new health and wellness sector. And there's a lot at risk for us and we have to believe in it. So we also have to come away with this and everyone who's working as we work together comes away with this with something that they can take on with their future selves. So yes, we do believe we're going to succeed, but let's be realistic. 90% of startups fail and whatever we do, we want to take whatever we learn here and bring it to the next level. So that's how my, how I look at it differently is that I want to support everyone who's involved with this company and drive, make it a, a factor for change, you know, for, for driving change in the future. You bring up a really good point about working together. And that is a really important element of the women employed in cannabis. Um, we have a new campaign and it's called the four P's. And we believe that in order to change the, the scale for women in cannabis, we need to pay, promote, partner, and protect women. And that third P partner, it's, it's critical because we are better together, but it can be really, really challenging to have a, a sane and stable partnership that doesn't end in a, a war. I've seen it happen so many times. So how are you two dealing with the challenges of a partnership? How are, especially when things get tough, how are you sharing responsibility and resolving conflict and making decisions and building your team when you obviously come from two wildly different backgrounds? Susan, would you mind answering this? Yes, I'll answer this. Kara, this is a great question. <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 um, I'm going to say being authentic, actually, is how you do that. Um, I've taken a number of classes uh, prior to jumping ship and becoming an entrepreneur in um, leadership based on uh, um, being a middle manager in, in the algae biofuels industry. I had someone once tell me as I they took away my team, I had a team of 16, and then I started doing product development and was no longer going to be uh, managing anyone directly. So it was managed by influence. And this person said 
to me, I would advise you to go home and drink a margarita and figure out how you're going to influence people. And yeah, that was like, uh, that was uh, probably 12 years ago or even longer. Um, and I had no idea what she meant, honestly, at the time, right? That company um, had, is still in existence, but they're not doing algae biofuels industry change. And a lot of those companies are now looking at products, uh, natural products within the, the, the algae. Um, but uh, that has kind of led my, my um, career as a leader. And um, I've taken classes on various types of leadership. And what I really like is this idea of authentic leadership, which means that for me, what that means, whether I'm translating that correctly or not, is doing my best to be authentic and share um, and be communicative. I think it's incredibly important, you know, hearing the good and the bad and being authentic about it and not letting it sit and stew. And I have to say in my work life, I'm not always necessarily very communicative uh, just because I came from the science world and I've been I've been banged up a number of times. I am very um, outspoken in my my personal life. Um, and so uh, I think that answers your question. But to add to what Veronique said in regards to just how do you, you know, how do you do that now that you're in a position of, of power is is one authentic leadership. But also uh, many years ago, I also did an uh, internship for women in science for the National Academy of Sciences. And I did a, a survey. And I mean, this is not a surprise, but uh the bottom line is I think that women in general lack confidence. We can call it the um, imposter syndrome or confidence. Um, I think in a way they're synonymous. I do my best. I am extremely passionate about any young woman, regardless whether she's a scientist or not, cannabis or not, really um, pumping them on their confidence and um, supporting and mentorship. And with that, I think um, I personally believe in autonomy. And giving them the opportunity to to fail. I think when you fail, you can fail forward. And uh, you need people to be able to try and fail in order to succeed. Uh, and I think actually Veronique and I do that pretty well. Yes, <laughs> we do. Um, I actually would love to answer that question, too, because I think it's such a great question. And um, I, I think that we are all in this together in that we are all on this big bad world together. And this whole idea of, and I, we speak about it a lot in, at Candescent, is that th this whole ecosystem of wellness. And if we can go beyond our differences and really understand that we are in a critical juncture of how we behave, how we lead our lives, what is important to us, so much of our brand is connecting back to nature because we've lost that. I mean, part of it is we have sense and people don't even recognize these sense of nature. We're not connected. We're disassociated. How dangerous is that as human beings, as creatures on this planet, to be disassociated from this world that we live in? I mean, in terms of olfactory system, when you think about it and when we're talking about chemicals and Susan, you know, just talking about terpenes, these are everywhere on this planet. And the, this signal of chemistry is within bacteria, the fish smell, um, you know, plants use this as communication. We use this as communication. We are animals. We are animals on this planet. 
And all of us communicate together through this world of terpenes. And this is important for us to know that we're just not these, you know, humans that are not, you know, we, we all want to think that we're in control of this planet, that the, the earth is here for us. No, I don't believe that. And I mean, everyone kind of has to get on board to preserve what we have. And that to me is a, is a bigger, I guess it's a, it's a big unifier. It's like if we all work together to get to that point, then our differences kind of melt away. Sure, we can compete with each other, but we're all working towards the same goal. And we all have to help each other to get to that goal. So, I mean, that's for me is that that's... Um, it sounds like it's very values-based. It's very values-based that this is time for change for all women to get together and really create change and make our, you know, and preserve our world. That's it's just it's kind of a basic uh, concept. But we've largely been ignoring it. It seems silly that we have, but we have. So I got a lovely package the other day with two of your candles, one of which I am burning right now, and an air freshener. And they smell amazing. I mean, this is the kind of product that I look for in a candle and can never find. So you've got an incredible product on your hands. How are you getting the word out about your products? And what are your plans for growth over the next two to five years? That's a great, great question. We are a little over a year old, and um, it's been particularly difficult during the pandemic as a small brand, especially um, in, you know, retail pretty much has um, come to a halt. And retailers tend to um, promote the brands that they know uh, work well and Launching new brands is a difficult time right now in retail. Um, and in terms of the DTC market and, you know, social media and everything that everyone's competing for the same space. So as a small brand, it's, it's a pay to play market out there and very difficult. So I mean, avenues like this podcast, we're looking into more experiential marketing, really getting out there, talking to people, word of mouth is really important for us to survive and um, spread the word. It is a very difficult landscape for any new brand. And there were, and also, <laughs> you know, people have, there's more brands that have been started in the last couple years um, than probably decades. It's, it's um, you know, people have, have decided that they, maybe want to change their lives and they have had some more time to think about what's of value to them and um, want to make that pivot. We you know, certainly see that in the work work market. So, um, so there's more competition. There's um, it's uh, like I said, a pay to play. So we are really counting on people to spread the word. And that's, that's how we're doing in, in, in terms of where we see our, ourselves in two to five years. Like I said, we are a health and wellness brand that is focused on the olfactory system. The factory system is very um, elusive to many people. It's very much like the cannabis industry in which, you know, the endocannabinoid system was really discovered in 1992. The olfactory neurons or the olfactory receptors were discovered by Linda Buck in 1991. So we have really it was 91 it was that that long, short time ago it's that short time ago and what we're learning is that it, and it was a huge discovery 
And as a brand, we wouldn't be here without that discovery. But what we learned is that these olfactory receptors work throughout our body. So they work on the GPCR receptors of our, you know, uh, proteins on cells that communicate with each other, much like the endocannabinoid system. The endocannabinoid system uses it in a different way. But we have these two systems working together that we really know very little about yet. We are still in the process of discovery. The endocannabinoid system hasn't even been taught, really. It's just starting to. The same thing with olfactory science. So we are in this huge time of discovery, and it's so exciting. 40% of drugs use these GCPR receptors, so there's huge potential for therapeutic value. And there's a whole you know, world of therapeutic value available in plants. So we'd like to bring that out to people. We want to bring out this, this, um, the science behind how things work so that they can be also beneficial to us. Also, plants are really important to us. And when I talk about ecosystems, plants have their own bio, their own, um, biome, just as we have our own biome. And it's important that they have the right bacteria, the right fungi everything to make them a really sturdy and effective plant. Only 1% of agriculture out there is organic. What we've done to our soil is pretty destructive. And we have to, you know, support systems that support good plant health. Ultimately, this saves all of us too, because this also, you know, produces good medicine. But this is all, like I say, this ecosystem of wellness that's so important to us. And we need to get the word out. And that, you know, plants are so important to us. And what we are doing now is we're trying to support all of that from soil to final product. And, you know, I hope that there are more brands like um, ours that come to market, but it's, it's, it's really important. It's super important. Should we know anything else before we go about either of you or your, what, what did you call it? The, um, what is, you're not a candle company. You are a. We're, we're a health and wellness company that really, we have 100%, we use 100% botanical ingredients without the use of synthetics that are sustainably sourced, all with anti-inflammatory and antioxidant ingredients. So we're really looking at the molecular profile of plants to deliver their therapeutic value. That's what we do. So we are an olfactory wellness company, meaning that we delve into the science of aroma to deliver its therapeutic benefits. And that science of aroma is given through our olfactory system, through our sense of smell, although we have these olfactory receptors all over our body. So it, you know, it affects our brain. We've already heard about that before. It goes into our limbic system, our amygdala our hippocampus, our prefrontal cortex, and also through our central nervous system. So it's an important avenue for health. It's almost like a supplement, if we can look at it that way. But it has not been delved into, largely because we do not know that much about it, and we're still learning. And it's a, a mystery to many people. We're, like I said, we're in this process of discovery. But I think this pandemic has really accelerated the research. Most of the work on terpenes has been done for flavor. That's, you know, it's a huge flavor industry, but I think that's changing. So 
um, we're seeing the, and Susan can talk about it more, but we're seeing how terpenes are being adapted not only for flavor, but for what they can do for our health in terms of, you know, the olfactory system and how to use that in, in medication as well. We'll probably see more medication being delivered through, um, you know, through the nose, right? The olfactory system goes to our brain and in our central nervous system. So it's pretty powerful. Uh, Susan, anything else we should know? Yeah, I guess what I would, I, you know, this is my opportunity to talk uh, pitch science, right, in general. And, right, what Bernique is saying, um, science is expensive to actually do the research, and um, especially this type of research, olfactory, studying the olfactory system and studying terpenes. And um, as my bio says, um, a, a year ago, I migrated over to the Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine and we have a brand they have a brand new institute. I'm on the beginning of that institute there's we're a group of seven and it's called the Institute the Scalzo Institute of Botanical Research. So we're we're doing exactly what Veronique is talking about. Uh essentially so I have, you know, a couple of roles, right? One is at the Southwest College but with Veronique. Um um and um we are devoted to actually understanding the science behind botanicals and bringing that to the forefront. And I think offline, Veronique and I have talked about how, how cannabis has actually brought that to the forefront. And I absolutely agree with that. The cannabis industry, because, you know, we've brought this um, plant that was illegal for many years and now discovering all these molecules that without a doubt are beneficial, not only the cannabinoids, but the terpenes, um, it's brought to the forefront, I think, some of the old school herbal medicines that uh, you know, a school like the Southwest College of Naturopaths has been studying forever as naturopath students. Um, and so I, I guess my vision and natural hope is that more science gets poured into this type of science. And, and that is, um, I'm not quite sure how to say that, but that is, um, so our institutes for studying science is usually one drug, one target, right? And those are the things that get funded by um, the National Institute of Health and even somewhat NSF. Um, and so uh, I don't have the solution to this, but, you know, those people out there who uh, philanthropist donors who are able to donate to the cause of studying botanical research and creating a resurgence, uh, come talk to us. Awesome. Where... Where do we go to find out more about you and Candescent? Uh, my email is veronique at candescent.com, C-A-N-D-A-S-C-E-N-T.com. V-E-R-O-N-I-Q-U-E. That's the hard part. <laughs> and it's not Veronica, it's Veronique. It's Veronique, yeah, V-E-R-O-N-I-Q-U-E at candescent.com. And what yeah. about you, Susan? Um, uh, you can find me at uh, strap at senm dot um, dot edu. Sorry, I have a couple of emails. <laughs> I also have a web. <laughs> I have a website, uh, susancctrap dot com, and and then there's also Topedia, uh dot. Uh, gosh, right now I can't remember if it's dot com or dot org. <laughs> um, Terpedia. This Terpedia is um, our um, essentially terpene cannabis consulting company. With um, uh, it's essentially an internal database that's proprietary at the moment. We're working on how to share that database with potential clients. Um, but the bottom line is we have um, lots of information on various botanicals and their terpene content, as well as somewhat curated uh, um, journal articles, published articles of you know, on terpenes and 
that becomes very useful when folks come to us asking, you know, for advice on terpenes and concentrations and understanding the medical benefits, which is, which is really lacking at a sound science. Wow. At the moment. Fascinating. Thank you so much, ladies, for your time and for sharing your journey with us today. It has been really informative and I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you, Kara. And for those of you who've tuned in, if you haven't yet joined the Women Employed in Cannabis community, go to WEICwomen.com. There you'll find all the details on membership for women working in cannabis. WEIC is a community that provides networking, mentoring, and support to women working in cannabis in the U.S., Canada, and around the world where there's an interest in cannabis legalization. We welcome women who are currently working in cannabis or curious about taking the leap into the industry. Consider becoming a WEIC woman member or WEIC business member for benefits and access across the network. And join us again for another conversation with women leading in cannabis. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Cannabis Health Radio is a podcast about stories from people around the world who have used cannabis to deal with serious ailments, many of them life-threatening. My name is Ian Jessup. My co-host, Corey Elland, is no stranger to the devastating emotional impact faced by so many people receiving a death sentence diagnosis from a doctor. Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly every day. When you listen to our podcast, you'll hear many stories like Corey's, along with others who have used cannabis oil for many more ailments besides cancer, such as chronic pain, PTSD, MS, and many, many more. As one of our guests said, your podcast gave me the confidence to save my own life. We regularly get messages from listeners who have heard our podcast and use cannabis to solve a serious health issue of their own or that of a loved one. We hope you listen to these stories and be as inspired and moved as we are with each and every episode.